Right. Well, there's something, uh, there's something healthy, there's something freeing about saying exactly what you're thinking. Some of you are sitting there like, oh no, what's he going to say this morning? No, because you, you got to be careful, right? It's not always a good idea to say exactly what you're thinking, but in some ways it can be incredibly necessary. If you're in a, uh, a marriage relationship, there are times when you need to speak your mind. There are times when you should absolutely speak your mind. One of my favorite things about Kathy and I's relationship is we've really, over the years, adopted this let your yes be yes and your no be no kind of an attitude. Like, believe it or not, gentlemen, when my wife asks me how the new dress looks, I am expected to say exactly what I'm thinking. Sometimes that has been positive feedback. Sometimes that has been negative feedback. But each time, I'm expected to say, yeah, that, that kind of makes your butt look big, right? If I, if I think that that dress is not flattering, I need to say it. If I think it's not her style, I should say it. If I think it is knockout, gorgeous, hey, bud, he's a cutie. He and I were hanging out earlier. Tim, we're still not judging you. No, so, but, but whether, whether you've gone to that extreme in your relationship or not, there are times within a marriage that you need to say exactly what you're thinking. There are times when that is the healthy thing, when that is the necessary thing. As a parent, uh, some of you have kids who are, uh, you know, you've got kids of all ages here represented, um, but as your kids get into those teenage years, when they're younger, they just do, hopefully, whatever you say, like, and if they talk back, that's even worse. There's not a lot of room for discussion in the rules that you lay out, but as they get older, parents, if you haven't adopted this, there are times as your kid starts to stretch their critical thinking wings a little bit, when you need to let them speak their mind, right? Even if it's in disagreement with you. Now, there's, there's a line of respect and things like that. Kids, I'm not giving you a license to talk back and get crazy with mom and dad. But parents, some of you have lived this already. There are, as your kids get older, it's healthy and freeing for them to be able to express themselves and say exactly what they're thinking, even to their parents, right? Within reason. Uh, if, if you have a confidant, if you have a counselor, it's so beneficial to be able to walk in and sit with someone and without any judgment coming back at you, simply just dump your thoughts on them, right? That, that's a huge part of life. And believe it or not, that type of thing is part of our faith in God. It goes all the way back to the foundations. But religion over the years has kind of squelched that idea and like, oh, you can't say that in church. Or, or, or you have certain things that you might say to a priest, but you wouldn't say to another person. And maybe the priest passes it on to God. But, but being able to speak our mind has been an integral part of our faith going all the way back to the foundations, that brutal honesty. And if you, haven't, if you weren't with us last week, uh, we started a quick series in the book of Psalms uh, just looking at all of these poems, all of these songs that were written that allowed God's people a voice. It, it taught them how to sing, how to pray, how to talk to God through all of the ups and downs and all the different emotions and all the different circumstances that they would face. Um, and there's so many different categories, but we're looking at the top three. And last week we talked about hymns, psalms that are hymns, not the big red songbook that was in your pew when you were growing up, but the psalms that are just songs of pure praise not based on anything high that we're experiencing, not limited by anything low that we're experiencing, but just because of who God is, what he's told us about himself, things that we believe and speak and sing back to him, songs of pure praise 
our hymns, and those are important things to incorporate. And a lot of you guys did a great job. I saw you, you did your homework this past week and posting a song. I don't know if anybody wrote any poems. I didn't see any originals out there, but thanks for taking part in that and jumping in. Um, but the point of the Psalms, as we talked about last week, is to provide words in situations where maybe there are no words, to give some explanation, to provide a way to describe what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. And it's important in times like these where we're coming through the COVID pandemic, where we're experiencing yet again the revelation that racism is real and hatred is real and there's things that need to be dealt with. As we come through those difficult, emotional, sometimes hard to describe times, the Psalms in many ways, both now and in the future, give us that opportunity to approach God and put words to what we're feeling and words to what we're experiencing. And, and so last week we talked about hymns today. Uh, next week we're going to talk about psalms of thanksgiving, but today is kind of an interesting, interesting one. It's psalms of lament. And I'm just going to take a few minutes, and as I said last week, going to ask you guys, if you want to dive in deeper, please do so. Uh, dive into other resources in the psalms, but uh, just a kind of a concise version today, psalms of lament. And I want to start in Psalms 13 uh, because it really kind of is a good description of the types of psalms that we're talking about. And, and as I read this, pay attention because you're going to, uh, we read the psalms usually like uh, we kind of have that British actor voice in our heads, you know, with, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? That's how, we, that's how we read the psalms in our head. But in this psalm, in these psalms of lament, I want you to read attitude. I want you to read some, maybe even like some teenage whining, right? I want you to read in some sarcasm. I want you to read in some anger into some of these psalms of lament. Psalm 13, starting in verse 1. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with the anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. And so you can hear, like, there's attitude there, there's some issues there, there's some frustration there, there's some questions there. And so a lament, a psalm of lament, is simply a prayer of pain. It's a prayer of pain. It's a psalm or a song that we sing to God when we're hurting. Maybe we're upset with ourselves. Maybe we're upset with someone else in our lives. Maybe we're feeling abandoned even by God himself. Whereas a hymn last week, that was a a song of pure praise, a song of orientation, because the natural heartbeat of our, our heart and our mind is praise to God in spite of the circumstances, not dependent on anything high or low. A lament is a psalm of disorientation because it's something that we sing and we pray when something is out of whack. Something's not right. Something is messing with us in some way. And so something has torn us away from the natural, uninhibited state of mind and state of heart that we would sing in a hymn. This has knocked us towards something much more of a circumstantial prayer or song. A song of mourning, a song of anger, a song of frustration, a song of questions, a song of lament. Another one I want to read is Psalm 77. Kind of a, a similar vibe, and you'll start to see some, some of the themes that come out in these laments. I cry out to you, God. Yes, I shout. 
Oh, that God would listen to me. Like, like picture a kid who's trying to get their parents to just listen to their, why, why don't you just listen to me? These aren't, these aren't soft things, right? Like, like guys, sometimes we, we think the Psalms are like, it's like the book for, for softies or for ladies. And, you know, it's like it's poetry. Psalms are aggressive, right? Psalm 77. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night, all night long I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul wasn't comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. You start to see some similar themes in these laments where on one hand they're saying, this is what's happening. God, this, I don't know if you see, but this is what I'm experiencing right now. And by the way, God, not only is this what I'm experiencing, but this is how I feel about it. This is what I think about what you're allowing me to experience right now. And then you get to the third part of, this is what I think you need to do about this. And not only is this what I think you need to do about it, this is what I need you to do about it. These psalms are raw. These psalms are honest. I'm tired. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm bitter. I'm cynical. I'm having a crisis of faith. God, you're, you're letting them win, and the God that I know wouldn't allow them to win. So come to my rescue, and if that means literally crushing my enemies physically, go ahead and do it. And this is where it gets interesting because it's really in conflict. We, we all kind of have grown up in the New Testament world of church where we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us, and that's exactly what we should be doing. But sometimes there's a place for that raw emotion to take over. Listen to uh, how David writes this in Psalm 3. This, this doesn't feel like loving my enemies or praying for those who persecute me. Psalm 3, 1 and 2. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. Down at the bottom of the chapter, arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. And this is wild to me because these were songs that they would sing. Now, we we're in the Hillsong, like, Elevation Worship, Chris Tomlin Worship generation, and they'll write songs directly from the Psalms. But they never seem to write those worship songs from the laments, right? And so I did. I wrote a worship song. Brian, you're not going to believe it. I wrote a worship song, and I'm going to sing it for you, okay? Because And this may go big. If you're a musician out there, feel free to write an arrangement for this and let it do its thing. I just, I just felt like the laments deserve a worship song. Ready? Arise, O Lord, arise. Rescue me, my God. Slap my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. 
Arise, O Lord, arise. May you bless your people. Rise, O Lord. And that just kind of it just kind of repeats. It's one of those songs where they didn't they didn't put a lot of effort into it, so it just repeats for five minutes. That song is directly from Psalm 3. Slap my enemies in the face. How come nobody writes those songs? But those are just as real and just as raw and just as important in the Psalms as the Hosannas and the Hallelujahs and the He Delivered Me's, right? Psalms of lament. And it's in those Psalms that we find out that our relationship with God allows for us to be brutally honest with Him. Brutally honest with Him. You can tell Him what's happening. You can tell him what you think about it. You can tell him what you think he should do about it. You can tell him whatever is in your mind and your heart because he wants to hear it. He wants that kind of intimate relationship with you where you can be raw and honest with him. Sometimes that raw honesty, sometimes that intimacy is exactly the reason why he's allowing you to experience what you're experiencing. So our relationship allows for that brutal honesty, but there's another element to it, okay? I'm sure you'll pick, on, pick up on it pretty quick. I'm going to read the next section of each of those psalms that we've read, okay? Even the slap your enemy in the face one. Psalm 13, the next verse goes, but... I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Psalm 77, same deal. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. This is how I feel. I don't like it. This is what I need you to do. But then I recall all you have done, Lord. I remember your, wrong, your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works Oh, God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? Psalm 3, the slap your enemy one. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory. You're the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. So our relationship with God allows us to be brutally honest with him, but it also allows us to finish with a but. And it's not a call to ignore the struggles that we're going through, not a call to ignore the pain that we're feeling or the questions that we have or the things that we have that have no words to describe them. But it's a call to look forward at the same time. In the midst of the lament, in almost, there are a few exceptions, but in almost every single psalm of lament, there's a declaration of hope at the end. A recognition that God is capable of leading me through this, that God will lead me through this. A recognition that unless God himself leads me through this, I have nothing left. I've been reduced to nothing but hope. I don't really like it, but that's where I'll sit because that's all I have. We can be brutally honest with him, but we can also end with hope. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I actually need a, a, a couple of people to help me out. Does anyone have an NIV Bible on them or the ability to pull it up real quick on their phone? 
couple volunteers. Jason, um, Jason, you can't because I need the band to come up. Actually, sorry. <laughs> uh, who 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 wants it? I need two. Justine, you can do it. Justine, I need Matthew twenty seven forty six. And then I, somebody else want to jump in? Susie, Psalm twenty two one. Matthew 27, 46, and Psalm 22, 1. This is like my Sunday school teaching days. Need a volunteer? Justine, are you ready? All right. Go ahead and just shout it from there. I'll repeat after you so everybody can hear you. Just the first line of Psalm 22, 1. Oh, you have Matthew. I'm sorry. Matthew 27, 46, the whole thing, even like the, the goofy Greek parts. <laughs> Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Susie, hit us with Psalm 22.1, just the first line. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, at his worst, cried out to, to his Father with a psalm of lament, God, why? Where are you? This is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening why aren't you helping me? Where are you when I desperately need you? Right? There's nothing wrong with a psalm of lament. We've convinced ourselves over the years that we can't say certain things to God. We can't say certain things at certain times. I want to encourage you. Run to Jesus with your lament. Run to Jesus with your lament because as we heard from those two pieces of Scripture, he knows. He knows. Not only does he understand what you're feeling, he has felt what you are feeling. He knows. Don't be afraid to just sit with him in that lament for a while. There's no need to rush out of it. There's no need to dumb it down. Sit with him in that lament for a while. Run to Jesus with that. And I'll close with this. The band can come up. They're going to do another couple songs for us. Share your lament with someone. Right? Uh, there's been a, a, really over the last 10 or so years, a, a, a very important uh, surge of understanding of the benefits of mental health and getting help and talking with someone, not burying things deep, Right? Share your lament with someone. Run to Jesus first. He's the one that can care for you the best. But don't be afraid to share what you're feeling with someone. Even if you don't know the words yet, share it with someone. We can go to God through Jesus. But there's this amazing thing that Peter talks about in 1 Peter about how we as believers... We're all priests in some way, right? We have direct access to God. And so not only can we go to God through Jesus, that's the bridge, but as believers, we can go to God on each other's behalf. And so if we'll share our laments with each other, we can lift each other up in prayer and make a huge difference. But the key thing is your relationship with God allows you to be brutally honest. And the bands, they're going to close with a worship song in a second. 
but they're going to do one right now just kind of as a special. So I want to ask that you just kind of sit and take it in. The, the, the words of it are on that website, uh, fieldstonechurch.org slash words if you want to follow along. But um, it really is kind of a song of lament in many ways, a song of brutal honesty. It's called Undone. Um, and it's kind of sung from that perspective of like, I am, I'm lost. I'm at my wit's end. I, and yet, when I take that lament before God, I'm undone in a very spiritual, very healthy way where before the presence of God, I'm laid bare. And it's a beautiful thing. So the band's going to do this song, and then we're going to jump in and join them on the second song. Thanks, guys. 